It's great to have you joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman, coming to you in March of 2023 from Atlanta in the Muscogee Creek Territory in the Piedmont region that is in the foothills of the Appalachia Mountain Range. Today, we're going to be talking about an infectious disease outbreak, but no, not COVID, a different virus, one that has sickened and killed millions of birds and other species, avian influenza, otherwise known as bird flu. To tell us about how bird flu is impacting farmed birds as well as animals in nature is my guest, A.J. Albrecht, a licensed attorney and managing director for the group Mercy for Animals. Mercy for Animals is a nonprofit based in the U.S. that works worldwide. Their mission is to end industrial animal agriculture by constructing a just and sustainable food system. They imagine a world in which we nourish ourselves with food that is kind to animals and sustainable for the planet and all who share it. A world in which eating is an act of compassion, in which no one is exploited or forced to exploit another. The group's web website is mercyforanimals.org. Our guest today is A.J. Albrecht, Managing Director of Mercy for Animals in the United States and Canada. She joined Mercy for Animals in 2019 as the organization's first U.S. government affairs team member, and she built and led the government affairs and public policy team for three years before stepping into her current role. Licensed, a licensed attorney, A.J. is the immediate past chair of the American Bar Association's Animal Law Committee, a past chair of the New Jersey State Bar Association's Animal Law Committee, and the founder of the East Orange Animal Alliance. Previously, AJ was a legislative attorney with an organization dedicated to companion animal protection. AJ shares her home in Southern California with her spouse, two rescued pit bulls, and a continuous procession of foster dogs. That sounds awesome. Welcome, AJ. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'm really looking forward to talking about this important topic with you. Let's start by having you give us a basic summary of the latest outbreak of avian influenza over the last several years and, and the impacts it's had on millions of individuals across a variety of species. Absolutely. So as you said, we now find ourselves in the midst of a catastrophic avian flu outbreak. As of today, about 58 million farmed birds, most of them being egg-laying hens, across 47 of our 50 states have died. In fact, 1.5 million of those died in just the 10 days leading up to Christmas alone. So these numbers mean that we've surpassed the previous record. The previous record was 50.5 million farmed birds, and that was set back in 2015. Um, the majority of these animals uh, are dying because of what the industry calls depopulation, that is mass on farm killing. And quite frankly, taxpayers are shouldering the cost of the burden of that depopulation because there are no mandates or incentives for the industry to work to prevent these outbreaks. Uh, the industry has become accustomed to government bailouts during crises like the one that we find ourselves in. So the situation is quite dire, and I believe it's getting more public attention than previous outbreaks have because of the egg shortage that our country is seeing and the rising egg prices, which are a direct result of this horrific outbreak. Yeah, well, let's actually, let's start with that, because I know a lot of people who still eat chicken eggs are concerned about the higher cost of eggs. And I've heard that added expense is primarily a result of the mass killings of egg-laying hens from avian flu. 
Can you tell us about that and, and maybe and how many you can maybe repeat how many chickens raised either for meat and or eggs have been killed in the U.S.? Yes. So approximately 58 million farmed birds and the majority of those are egg laying hens that have died during this outbreak. And these soaring egg prices and the resulting really consumer shock around this situation are shining a light on this deep-seated and systemic problems of our food system, which uh, is, is fragile and is cracking as a result of uh, crises like this and this outbreak. Um, the industry is really designed to benefit big ag, regardless of the cost to the people, animals, and our planet, and the people are feeling this right now. The way that this bird flu outbreak is mostly propagated is by migrating wild birds. So you have these birds flying above farms whose droppings get tracked into poultry houses, et cetera. And factory farming provides the perfect breeding ground for such outbreaks because these animals are packed in extremely tightly and they're transmitting the virus very quickly uh, from to each other. And yeah, there's the no social distancing when you're in a cage. Correct. That's right. There is no social distancing for these birds. The stocking density, as it's called, for both meat chickens as well as for egg-laying hens is extremely close together for these animals. And then how are they actually killing them? Because it, it's government mandated, right? If if the, if one bird or somebody in the flock gets tested for um, bird flu, do they have to kill all the animals in the shed. I mean, I hesitate to call them farms because they're usually like these, you know, warehouses. And then does the government come in and do that? I know you mentioned that we pay for it, but because um, usually the animals are not killed on the place where they're grown, they're sent, you know, in those big trucks you see on the highways to right. a, a slaughterhouse. But in this case, if they, if there's any that have outbreaks, don't they kill everyone and kill them on, on the farm? Yes, that's right. The practice that you're describing, Carrie, is what the industry calls depopulation. Mercy for Animals tries to avoid using that kind right. of it's obvious uh, euphemism. <laughs> yes, euphemism, exactly. Uh, we call it mass on farm killing. And you're exactly right that this is not usually where a farmed animal would be killed. A farmed animal would be transported to slaughter, which of course has its other issues, but that's for a yeah. different a different topic. Um, depopulation methods for birds in particular are really horrific. Uh, there are three specific ways that um, these animals are generally killed en masse. The first is water-based foam. That is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, a hose filled with water-based foam is sprayed across all of these birds and they very slowly die of suffocation because their airways are closed off. This Gross. can take a very long time. The other two methods are ventilation shutdown and ventilation shutdown plus heat. What that means is that the chicken houses or CAFOs, that's concentrated animal feeding operations or factory farms, again, a euphemism, uh, the ventilation is just completely closed up. The house is closed up. The inlets are turned off. The fans are turned off and it allows the body heat from these animals to raise in temperature so high that they die from hyperthermia. Mm. Ventilation shutdown plus heat is 
exactly what it sounds like. It's the same process, except heat is added into these vents to speed up that killing process. But even with that more sped up version, this hyperthermia death is agonizing and takes quite a long time. And Um, what happened? This is, those are awful (laughs) methods. It's it's horrific. And then also, what happens to their bodies? Are there mass graves? Is it on site? Because given the immense number of bodies, like so many thousands or hundreds of thousands in one place, sounds mm-hmm. like it creates also an unhealthy environmental impact as well as being inhumane. Mm-hmm. So both the USDA and the EPA have guidance and regulations out about what they call carcass management. And they have lots of guides on their websites for farmers, but the options for these, yes, hundreds, even thousands of bodies include everything from composting to disposal and landfills, open air burning, incineration, and then like you mentioned, Carrie, on-site or off-site burial. Um, this The USDA's disposal guide that they put out ranks all of these options in terms of both the public health risk environmental sustainability and other considerations. And none of them are green across the board. Uh, You're correct that these disposals do raise really serious concerns about environmental impact. And that's, of course, on top of the animal suffering and the human health considerations. Right. And I was reading, AJ, on the Mercy for Animals website about a lawsuit your organization was part of, along with Farm Mm -hmm. Sanctuary and the Humane Society of the United States, Mm -hmm. suing the U.S. Department of Agriculture for an inadequate response to the avian flu outbreak. You recently settled that lawsuit. Can you tell us about that? Yes. uh, Thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, So back in July of 2020, we did join a federal lawsuit with Farm Sanctuary and Humane Society of the United States. And that lawsuit was challenging the USDA's what we considered grossly inadequate response plan for the avian flu. And after two years of the USDA trying to get that lawsuit thrown out, uh, we did enter into a settlement. And they agreed to go back to the drawing board and rework their response plan, which was supposed to include assessing the plan's environmental impacts. Um, As we are now in this current situation, uh, you can imagine that that has not uh, taken place yet. Uh, They have not delivered on that quite yet. And we are uh, still playing watchdog when it comes to uh, those response plans. Um, And we are also working on federal legislation right now that would amend the farm bill. Uh, Farm bill negotiations are taking place right now, happens every five years. And we're working on legislation that would also require disaster mitigation uh, like this. And one of those disasters, of course, is uh, health crises like this very outbreak that we're in right now. Uh, We need to have better disaster preparedness And we also need to stop our reliance on factory farming if we want to curb these pandemics and these outbreaks. Because you mentioned before that also that the U.S. taxpayer, every time something, some major disaster happens, which could be, you know, especially because of climate change, exacerbated, and then these kind of zoonotic or infectious diseases, and they have to, the the whole flock of birds has to be killed, Mm -hmm. the government steps in and and we pay for that right so that the farmers are not 
like, I guess, paying the full cost of all the birds that they would normally sell for a profit? Yeah, I'd say it's it's less about the individual farmers who they themselves are often exploited by this system, but it's really the big meat companies. And we actually saw this during COVID too. Um, many of us will recall in the beginning of COVID, there was um, a lot of um, the, the pork industry was threatening that there was going to be a pork shortage and they took out full page ads in some major publications across the country uh, warning that there was going to be a pork shortage. And what that resulted in was the previous administration giving millions of dollars of bailout funds to the pork industry. And two years later, we can now see the figures of how much pork was being produced, how many pigs were being farmed, and year over year, they continued to rise. So the meat industry has really become accustomed to leaning on the government to subsidize what they portray as a loss of revenue or a loss of production. And the numbers, when they come out after the fact, just don't support that. Right. And also, you know, like we get vaccinated when when there's an infectious disease. They if they you know, they produce a vaccine like they did for covid and we're all supposed to take it and it's supposed to kind of mitigate um, the situation over time. But it seems like with these other animals, there isn't a vaccine or I don't know. Instead, they just, oh, like to prevent it from spreading further, they just kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, are vaccines part of a potential solution to preventing this so we don't have to do those um, horrible, quote unquote, depopulation suffocations every time, you know, certain animals, you know, get sick and then everyone has to be killed prematurely? So I know that vaccines are something that is being discussed at the federal government level right now, um, just based on recent news articles that have come out. But truly, that's not a solution. It will just be another Band-Aid fix because we've seen avian flu, as well as many other diseases, uh, mutate. And in fact, the situation that we're in right now is very scary because of mutations. So truly, if we want to curb these outbreaks, we need to stop factory farming. We need to farm in a way that does not have animals in extreme confinement packed together very, very closely to allow for this extremely quick transmission, which we've seen in not just birds. I mean, a mink outbreak just Mm -hmm. a few years ago reached a mortality rate of 4.3% in, I think, just over a week. And that is alarming and not something we've seen in the past. Um, You're also right, Carrie, to point to the fact um, that human exposure to this is also scary. Um, This, according to the USDA, infections of this avian flu are already being recorded in mammals across the country. Um, They're recording Uh, cases in raccoons, skunks, grizzly bears, and even in dolphins. And this is very scary because it speaks to the virus's ability to mutate and it really points to a greater risk of it being um, a problem for humans. Right. That even though it's called bird flu, it can, Mm -hmm. it can be in any kind of animal. And so, yeah, from your website, I saw it linked to a USDA site that showed a list of mammals in the United States who've come down with avian influenza in certain areas. 
um, yes. at least where they've tested or figured it out. And so I was writing down some of the species, like you mentioned, red foxes, coyotes, black bears, brown bears, bottlenose dolphins, harbor seals, possums, raccoons, skunks, and mountain lions. Yes. And, and that was kind of my next question, AJ, like avian flu also affects and spreads, you know, to animals in nature, or it may have, you know, come originally from animals in nature, this latest outbreak, there's been lots of outbreaks of bird flu and swine flu and stuff over the years. And this is our latest one. Mm -hmm. Um, But what do you know about the impact this latest outbreak of avian flu has on animals in nature, you know, including wild birds? Mm -hmm. So there is a program that is tracking this and it's, it's updated daily, it seems. It's called the National Wildlife Disease Program. And as of when I logged on yesterday, the total count of bird wildlife with um, HPAI, highly pathogenic avian influenza detections, is just shy of 6,500 birds. So we know that this virus is shed via feces as well as respiratory secretions. So what that means is that it can be spread through direct contact, but it's also if droppings, like I said earlier, droppings of a bird flying over a farm. But what's really problematic is that many of these wild migratory birds are showing no symptoms and are not Mm. sick, but it's when the droppings are are being exposed to these um, very tightly confined um, small stocking densities and factory farms that the chickens whose immune systems are already compromised because of their living conditions and the horrific cruelty that they're right. suffering become very sick very quickly. Yeah, that's a good point that we don't really know. And maybe it's impossible to know with, with uh, animals free in nature, how many of them are carriers of Right. bird flu. And so, and then that's, I guess, how it happens where, um, you know, certain animals are also eating other animals right? or yes, through their defecation and different things. That's how you get all these different species coming mm-hmm. into contact with each other. Um, and I guess it's only if, if individuals start dying or there's some particular testing in certain areas that we even know. Because like right. I didn't see anything listed in my state of Georgia, but that doesn't mean that there's not avian flu here, potentially. It maybe just has to do with it hasn't been kind of d- discovered yet. Um, right, right. Especially with how many illnesses are going around uh, between humans right now, it's really tough to say. Um, our researchers and what we've seen published is that during this outbreak, there's only been one reported positive case in a human mm-hmm. of bird flu. And that was in Colorado almost a year ago, last April. Um, but again, scientists are cautioning that mutations are happening and we're seeing this spill over into other animals. Um, a number of seals in Maine last summer died and there were positive tests out of those animals. Um, But the World Health Organization um, does track uh, reports of these these cases in humans. And since they've been doing that since 2003, so about 20 years, and they've received almost 900 reports of positive cases and a little less than half of those people have died. Um, So we we have seen people die from bird flu. Right. We have to be cautious that as this spreads again around the globe through a variety of different species, we are also animals too. And it might end up 
uh, there might be kind of an infectious strain, you know, that starts affecting us. And then that's the new pandemic that it's not COVID anymore. It's, um, you know, potentially bird flu. And I also just wanted to say that um, since avian influenza can cause illness and sometimes death for wildlife, our animals in nature are already stressed by so many disadvantages often caused by human industry or human so-called development. And so many are threatened by extinction that it's incumbent upon us to reduce the risks to them of, of spreading diseases in general, because now this is just one more stressor in the right. lives of wild animals as well as, you know, um, farmed animals. Uh, That's also. right. And I, I can't help but also mention that uh, we're using so much of our arable land to grow plants that are feed crops to feed livestock and poultry to farm more animals. And of course, that's destroying the habitats of wild animals. So yes, I, I completely agree with you, Carrie, that this is really a system that is is broken and animals are suffering the most. Yeah, like they're disadvantaged in so many ways, and it's all kind of interconnected. Right. If you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman talking about avian flu, otherwise known as bird flu, and its impacts on millions of birds, those who are farmed, and other species who are free and live in nature, and what we can do, do to reduce the spread of zoonotic diseases. Our guest today is attorney A.J. Albrecht, managing director of the advocacy group Mercy for Animals. AJ, for listeners who are interested in reducing the impact of bird flu and other zoonotic diseases, what should society be doing differently? So there are really two big things, I think. The first is we should all be reducing the amount of animal products that we consume. Uh, I'm not going to say you should go vegan overnight, um, but we can all reduce in some way. We're so lucky to be living during a time when more and more plant-based food products are hitting the market yeah. and those food products are becoming more and more delicious, accessible and affordable. I mean, we're pretty close to price parity at this point. And for eggs, you can go to the egg shelf right now and, and see that eggs are quite expensive if they're from a chicken, but plant-based egg op options are uh, cheaper in some cases. Mm -hmm. So that's really the first thing is just uh, take a stand with your dollars and what you have on your plate um, second is we all need to be raising our voices so that our decision makers and our policymakers hear us when we really are demanding reforms to our food system. Um, right now, as I mentioned earlier, Mercy for Animals is supporting uh, the Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act, or IAA. And this legislation would amend the U.S. Farm Bill in numerous ways that could help curb outbreaks like this in the future. And you can take action um, by contacting your member of Congress at mercyforanimals.org backslash IAA. And that will make it very simple for you to communicate with those decision makers. And I'd also say that in the corporate sphere, the corporations and the food companies that you're supporting by consuming their products also need to hear from you. Um, if you can look up their animal welfare commitments, whether they have any animal welfare commitments and hold them accountable, hold them accountable by only purchasing products that you know are uh, less reliant on factory farming or have more humane conditions or reach out to them, uh, write to them, tweet at them, contact them on social media and tell them that you want animals to be treated in a more humane way. Right. I like the variety of options you gave us that are kind of personal 
choices, but also policy making choices. And I'm going to be uh, doing a special show on the um, the web the um, law that you were talking about that Cory Booker put into uh, into oh, great. put out there the yeah. uh, Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act, as you mentioned. And um, yes. it's nice that the MercyForAnimals.org website also helps people get in touch with their congressperson in terms of finding out more about that and um, asking for each of our Congress people to uh, support that bill. So I'll be going more in, in depth on that. But right. that is the end of our show. But I want to thank you, AJ Albrecht, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. And thanks for the work you do at Mercy for Animals, protecting fellow animal species and transforming agribusiness to move toward a kinder and more ecologically sustainable food system. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It was great chatting with you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, online at wrfg.org and on the Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash Nature. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board, staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman asking you to please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. Thank you for listening. Cheers.